we're back. This is Joe and TJ from the Schoolhouse 302, and you're listening to our Focus Ed podcast. Focus Ed is your educational leadership podcast. In every episode, it's our mission to focus on one aspect of teaching and leading in school so that you can make progress in your district, school, or classroom with even more knowledge, better understanding, and a clear direction on what to do next for your students and staff. In each show, we ask an expert guest to join us and we dissect their work and tons of other information about leading better and growing faster in schools. We're only doing 14 episodes per school year and we hope you'll listen to all 14. The guest list is incredible. Don't miss a single show and do us a favor. Please like, share, and follow Focus Ed on SoundCloud, iTunes, and our website, theschoolhouse302.com. And now for another episode of Focus Ed. Each episode of Focus Ed, we invite expert guests to join us. In this episode, we have Jonathan Alshimer with a focus on next level teaching excellence in the classroom, and a vision for taking education to a new level. Jonathan Alshimer is the unorthodox, energetic, and entertaining middle school teacher who refuses to live a life of limitations. Jonathan is often referred to as my favorite teacher by his students, and he's the author of Next Level Teaching. As a passionate educator and a national keynote speaker, Jonathan Alshimer presents on the idea of limitless possibilities for teachers as a driving force and the impact of an infectious classroom and a school culture. Next Level Teaching is about every teacher bringing their unique flair to better their school every single day, always reaching for that next level. Jonathan teaches at the world-renowned Fred Lyon Middle School, which was featured in two documentaries, Relentless and Relentless Chasing Accreditation, he has been featured as the teacher who forged a partnership with none other than the UFC fighter and lightweight contender Paul Felder to bring the message that students should never give up, fighting for their education and empowering them to believe in themselves. These are all principles that Jonathan promotes in his own classroom. As Jonathan always says, game changing is not a cliche motto, it's a way of life. Some talk about it while others live by it. So we hope you enjoy this episode. Also, don't forget to like, share, and follow. You can always get more content by following the schoolhouse302.com. Go to the site, click on follow. So here we are with our guest, Jonathan Alshimer. Thank you for joining us today on Focus Ed, Jonathan. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on today. Yeah, we're so glad you're here with Delaware Educators. We have a live audience, but let's jump right in. Uh, without further ado, you wrote a book called Next Level Teaching, Empowering Students and Transforming School Culture, something that in Delaware we are super excited about, just that transformational piece. Let's start with the book. Then we're going to get into some of your experiences in schools. But let's, let's just dive into, if you don't mind telling us why you wrote the book, a little bit about what the message is, what it means to be next level, and what should you want educators to get from it? Awesome question. So let's, let's start with this. The reason why I wrote the book, quite simply put, is this. I'm in my 12th year of education, all as a teacher. And I've, and I, and I've worked 
I've worked in only at-risk schools, Title I schools, failing schools that went from failing to succeeding. And one of the reasons why I wrote the book, the main reason why I wrote the book was quite simply this, like I always wanted as a, as a college kid coming out of school, I wanted to know everything. I was like the kid in the, in the department meetings that was asking questions, getting involved, this and that. And I was thinking like, man, what was like, let's write something that kids coming right out of college or newbie teachers or teachers that are just looking to kind of transform what they're doing. Like, what would I want to know? What would really benefit me? You know what I mean? How would I, how, what, what, what can you tell me in a book that I can then utilize right off the bat that will never become outdated? Because so many times we read books that have all these different ideas that if it's a technology tool or whatever, that in 10 years, that's, we're never going to have that anymore. You know, when, as, soon as, a, as soon as a computer is created, all of a sudden, like, a next year, there's a, new, there's a new computer, a new phone, new this, new that. The idea is the next level teaching is teachers are, that are the driving force of school culture, that that stuff just doesn't go away. You know, I, I'm a firm believer in this. We need, we need a foundation of quality leadership in schools. That's never going to go away. We need superintendents that are on the ball with providing resources for our teachers. We need, we need leaders in the school from the administrative standpoint that have principles in place, a foundation in place that allows for a, a positive and infectious school culture. But don't get me wrong, that culture doesn't move. That, that, that energy in the building does not move without educators that are moving it for the leaders that, that put it in place. The teachers that are in the hallway, the teachers that are in the classroom, the teachers that see the kids every single day, that moves with teachers, we are the driving force of school culture. You can be the best leader on the planet, but if you don't have teachers pushing your message, if you don't have teachers pushing your kids, if you don't have teachers, when you walk down the hallway with kids that are just loving the classroom, then it doesn't matter what you say, that school is going to fail. And if you have teachers in every single classroom where kids legitimately, as, as, as cliche as it sounds, when you hear like kids running into classrooms and kids who can't wait to go to school, like it sounds so cliche, but it happens in positive and amazing schools where kids, they, like they cannot wait to go see their teacher, they cannot wait to go learn, they used to hate math or they used to hate social studies, but man, they can't wait to get to that classroom because that teacher's just different. That, that grade level, I would, maybe I didn't like school last year, but there's something about seventh grade or 10th grade or third grade, I can't wait. And the best part about it is kids going home and telling their parents, man, I just love going to school. You know, I always tell this, not to go off on a rant here, man, but I always tell the story that's in the last chapter of the book where I do a shout out to my daughter who's, who's in second grade. And we're homeschooling her right now because there is no in-school right now in my county, right? We're doing all the virtual learning for our students, but I'm homeschooling my daughter. When she was in kindergarten, now she's in second grade, when she was in kindergarten, man, she was scared to death to go to school. She didn't want to go to school. She was so afraid to go to kindergarten. And my wife and I, I'll tell you right now, the biggest thing that teachers can do is the starting point where right now it doesn't matter if you're hybrid, virtual, or in class, where you can change the that you can change the game for your kids right away. Where we had our daughter after the first week, she didn't want to go. She was crying every day. After the first week on Friday, I asked my daughter. I said, Adley, what do you think about going to school now? She goes, Daddy, I cannot wait to go back to kindergarten. Like as a parent, like you can't get much better than that. The teaching's going to happen because I trust our teachers. The high levels of instruction are going to be there. All that good stuff's going to be there. That instruction's going to be there 100% because I trust education. I trust our teachers, all right? But I want my kid to want to be there. I want my students to want to walk into my classroom. And if I'm a school leader, if I'm a principal superintendent, I want not only my teachers to want to be in my school, but I want my students to want to be there. That's the foundation of that book. Jonathan, a lot there to, for us really to dig into. And I think we're really going to enjoy this conversation. 
And I, I will say it's nice to also practice what you preach. You're sitting here with enthusiasm. Zoom is not the easiest way to do these things, but your passion for teaching, your passion for learning and kids is coming through. So we appreciate that. One thing I did want to ask you, though, when you first started to answer this question, you had started to describe some of what, you know, we get in college prep programs, you know, in our higher eds, you know, a lot of these different classes. And you wrote this book really thinking about what would a teacher want when they first come out of higher ed. My question for you is, is could you share some of what you wanted when you first got into the classroom? What was void? for you and, and you know how did that inspire you when you wrote this absolutely i think the biggest thing is breaking it down into this so often you know when i go when i'm when i do keynote speeches you know I, when i do keynote speeches i go up and i'll stand up in front of a bunch of educators and i'll say okay i'm going to give you three keys my three essentials now they're my three essentials and a lot of the stuff a lot of stuff involved in education you could throw into these three essentials but as an educator, I got three major essentials that are make you an effective teacher. And, and when I was in college, to be honest with you, when I was in school, I, I, I was getting a lot of methods. I was getting a lot of things that were relevant at that time. I'm 12 years in. Half the stuff I learned is no longer relevant. All right. But you know what? You know what doesn't? You know what never expires? It doesn't matter what culture you're from. It doesn't matter what country you're from. It doesn't matter what race, background, religion, language, nothing is what environment do you put in place and what experiences do you give your kids? And as an educator, I think the three keys are this. Walking in, you don't have to know everything. You don't have to know everything in math to be a great math teacher. You can figure that part out because you're an intelligent person who's a good teacher. But the three keys are this, passion, energy, and engagement. You walk into, you could, you could know everything about history, but you could not be a good teacher. You cannot connect with kids because when you walk in, you don't have the passion to do it. And kids can read that right off the bat. Sometimes kids are the best at, at, at finding, for lack of a better word, BS. Like they know, they know if you don't care. They know if you're not there to, to teach them. They know if you're just there for a paycheck. So walking in every single day with passion to make an impact on the lives of the kids that you teach, a lot on the lives of the teachers that are around you and the community that you serve, number one. All right? Number two. Do you have energy when you walk into the building? That energy, like, don't get me wrong. I, t I got two little kids, man. I was up at, I was up at three o'clock last night because my daughter had to use the bathroom and then she was up again at four and then she woke me up again at five. Like, I, I'm a dad. Like, I get it. Like, we're tired. But you know what? You signed up for, you signed up for this job for a reason. And if it's not to change the lives of kids, if it's not to, if it's not to try and to show them that there's a future out there that they can just attack and take it and, and make themselves make themselves into whatever dream they want it, whatever you can dream up. Like if that's, if that's not why you're here, then I don't know what you're doing. You know what I mean? And sometimes, and sometimes let's be real in education. If it's in a school building, that energy means you gotta, you gotta walk around the hallways and interact with kids when you're exhausted. You gotta, you gotta, instead of sitting down during lunch, dude, you gotta walk around and hang out with the kids. You gotta pull the kid off by himself and bring him over to the table. That's what I wish I knew. Like that's the game changer because when you're building relationships with kids, it's like that cliche motto where it's like kids don't want to learn from teachers they don't like. Man, if that's not true, I don't know what is. You know what I mean? Like if you have kids that like you, number one, for your student engagement or, or number two, because you're willing to build a relationship with them, all of a sudden they're locked in and they'll do things for you and they'll work harder for you than they've ever worked in their lives. They'll run through a brick wall for you. You know what I mean? I wish I knew that. And then number three, the, that engagement factor, engaging in terms of what levels of instruction are you bringing engaging kids in the classroom? Like if you want to build relationships with kids right off the bat, I'll tell you what, 
there's no, there's no better way to build a relationship with a kid outside of getting to know them a little bit than having a really cool lesson plan. You have a really cool lesson plan where kids are like, I, this is, this is awesome. Like what's up? Like, this is, what is this? I don't even, this is awesome. Like that kids all of a sudden that didn't, all of a sudden they didn't like school, like sitting in the background trying to not be noticed. Now all of a sudden they're locked in. And not only that engagement in the fact that like, I wish I knew right out the bat, right out of the, right out of the gate as a college kid, like how, how are you engaging with kids outside the classroom? So often we learn about like engage with student engagement, high levels of instruction, differentiating instruction. Those are all important. But how are you also engaging with kids that, with the time that you have outside of the classroom, in the hallways, in the common areas? How about after school? Even if you don't have time to coach or you don't have time to do a tutoring program, are you walking by the tutoring session that's taking place, popping your head in and saying, yo, what's up, bud? How you doing? Or, hey, good job in class today. And then you go home to your family. But even for that two seconds, showing kids that, you're, that you care that you saw them, all of a sudden tomorrow, they're going to show up with a notebook when maybe they didn't show up today with a notebook. They're going to start, then maybe they're going to share out tomorrow because, oh man, this teacher actually paid attention to me for two seconds. Like that's the stuff that sometimes seemingly is so small, but it is game changing in the world of education. That's what I wish I knew. And in the book, and in the book, that's exactly what I spell out. Every chapter, I, d I dive into those big concepts, relationship building, student engagement, all right. How are the little things that teachers can do that make or break a school? The little things sometimes are key. Those are the things I wish I knew walking out of college. And those are the things I put into that book. So Jonathan, thank you for that. And, and I, it was inspiring just to listen to you talk about teaching the way that you do. Here's the, here's my next question. And listen, I have a, a, a I love this quote, have a really cool lesson plan. It's just, it's so simple just have a really cool lesson plan. And yeah. if the kids like what they're doing in your classroom, they're going to like you and that's going to translate. A lot of our listeners are school leaders and, and part of your book is about transforming school culture. How do you replicate what you're talking about? So passion, energy, engagement. If you're talking to a principal or an assistant principal or a coach or a teacher leader, how would you tell them to replicate that so it's not just the Jonathan Alzheimer's of the world who are bringing that it's everybody in the school. Absolutely. I think that's a, that's a great question. And so I'm going to start off with the engagement factor. Like if you're a leader and you want to get your teachers building like these lesson plans that, as you said, like a really cool lesson plan, like so often, like one of the things that I'm not a big fan of is as a dad and as a teacher and all the other things I do with my life, like I don't have 500 hours a day. You know what I mean? I got 24 hours. I got to make those 24 hours count. I got to be the best dad I can be. I got to be the best husband I can be. I got to be the best teacher. I got to be the best everything, right? So I got to utilize my time the right way. And when it comes to building a lesson plan that's just awesome, if you're a leader and you can talk to your teachers and you can get them to start building lesson plans that are awesome, oftentimes teachers are like, does that mean I got to spend like all my money on teachers pay teachers? Does that mean I, like, I got to spend 14 hours a day on Pinterest? No, what that means is you got to look at what you did last year that maybe was cool, how can you step your game up? You gotta look at what, you're, what you did last year and think, man, like I, I, in the book I wrote, a, I wrote a session and when I speak I show a video of my class where I'll, I'll give you a real basic example. And it doesn't, when you look at what you did and you just think how can I change it just a little bit? How can I tweak it? It doesn't have to be something big. I played bingo on a sheet of paper for the longest time. When I was in school, when I was in college, my college teachers were like, play bingo as a review game. And when I was a student teacher, play bingo as a review game or whatever. And so I did that. But like kids are kind of like, it's just a worksheet. I'm sitting here like, it's cool. Like if I have to be like super animated to get them to care, 
So I decided, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna switch this up just a little bit. I'm still gonna play bingo, but I'm gonna make it a little different. So what I did was I took, I took tape and I taped off my floor and I turned it into uh, bingo sheets on my floor and I cut out the answers to the questions I was gonna ask. And I said, okay, you're in two groups spread out and you're gonna move them around the floor and you're gonna put them in your little charts. All of a sudden now they're like, wait, what is this? And I said, we're playing human bingo. You're the bingo pieces. I'm going to call out something. You got to work collaboratively. You got to move. You got to be fast. You got to be quiet, but you got to talk. You got to really, and then all of a sudden they're engaged. They're cooperatively learning. They're talking about the content and they're moving. Like you're banging out everything that makes a kid learn right there. That's just one thing. It's looking at it. How can I make this sheet of paper and make it cooler? You know, when we're talking about virtual teaching, Again, how can you look at what you're doing and make it a little bit cooler with virtual team? And sometimes as a leader, it means, you know what? Sometimes it's small things, but sometimes, man, you just got to, you just got to put a little elbow grease in it. Like what I'm doing, we're totally virtual teaching right now. And I've had tons of people that are like, how do we make virtual teaching exciting? That's like the toughest question on the planet right now. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to be real honest with you. The same thing I wrote in my book. When you do something cool in your classroom that might totally flop, I'm going to attempt to create a storyline around the Civil War because we're starting with the Civil War this year and with seventh grade history. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to use iMovie. I'm going to use my phone, the most basic technology I got. And I'm going to dress up and I'm going to act and I'm probably going to be bad at it. And I'm going to pretend that I'm, I'm from this time period and, and, we are, and, I'm, and I'm signing my kids on and they're secret agents and they're going to go back in time because there's a, there's a secret group Name Vigilance, I totally got this off a TV show, by the way, Person of Interest, if you ever watch it on Netflix, pretty cool show. And they're going to go back in time because Vigilance has gone back in time with a time machine. This is all, this is all just made up stuff. And I'm going to use like, I'm going to give them clues and they got to like get all this different stuff. They got to hack their, like, I, it's so hard to even tell you right now, but this might totally flop, but it might be the coolest lesson plan I've ever done in the history of my teaching. And I literally looked at the stuff that I have to do. And I looked at the computer and thought, how can I make this work? You know what? I'm going to turn it into like a TV show movie. You know what I mean? And sometimes that's what it takes. Sometimes it's small things. Sometimes it's big things. But at the end of the day, challenging your teachers and saying, listen, if you're in this to help kids, then you're going to do whatever it takes. I love that. Whatever it takes. I got a t-shirt that says whatever it takes. You know what I mean? And whatever it takes, I'm going to get my kids excited about learning. And the other thing I like to also say is this, when it comes to teaching, when it comes to staff meetings, if you're bored, so are your students. If you're bored, so are the teachers that are in your staff meeting. If you're bored, so are the, pre the principals listening to you talk. So how are you going to step your game up and make this cool? And that's the challenge. And so that's really what it comes down to. And then just obviously after that, it's just giving examples. And that's why when I do my keynote speeches, I'll give examples and I'll show my class and the things I do. And sometimes they're small things. One time, one of my best lesson plans ever was we played Mac Wars and I put a marker on a desk because we didn't even have Zoom back then. We didn't have these cool platforms to work with. I had a marker, that's it. I didn't even have iPads in my room. And I said, marker on a desk and I'm gonna ask a question. It's gonna be team versus team. And with my passion and my energy, I had my kids losing it. It was insane. They were loving maps of World War I, countries we could barely pronounce. And, so, and, and that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. Thank you, Jonathan. This whole idea of going to the next level, love your examples so much about just sitting back and how do we make it better? You know, I believe that was also like, that's an Apple mantra, you know, Steve Jobs pushed that huge, you know, how do we make it better? Constant, constantly focusing on that. If you wouldn't mind, could we 
take a little detour. This might be a little selfish of me, TJ. So I'm sorry, but you know, being you know, going back to this UFC, Paul Felder. I'm almost. I think I watched the Berkman fight when Felder won that, and I'm not going to turn this into a UFC conversation. I promise. But one thing that it struck me when we read that and now hearing this whole idea around how do we just make everything a little bit better and it doesn't have to be grandiose. Like you said, it was still bingo. What you did was just bring life to it. Like, can you walk us through the relationship and, and why you started even reaching out to some others? You, you mentioned about, you know, working in title one schools, you mentioned about at risk students, you know, and really what we're talking about here is bringing students who might otherwise be disengaged to start loving learning. And when they show up ready to learn, you know, you're, you've built that connection and we all know by middle school, we may have lost that opportunity. So can you talk to us a little bit about this whole thinking out of the box, why UFC, the kids' response to that a little bit, and, and this, this whole notion of, you know, building a culture that just really, you know, really uh, helps kids want to learn. Absolutely. So, man, you asked a lot right there. So I'm going to go off on a, I'm going to go off on you now. Are you ready for this? Here we go. So here's the deal. My mindset is this. I'm going to go back to this. It doesn't matter, in my opinion. It doesn't matter where you're from. Again, I'm going to say this again. What religion you speak, where you're from, what, what race you are, what country you are, what gender you are, none of that matters when it comes to this. This one thing translates, tra transforms all that stuff and brings it all. It doesn't matter where you're from, any of that stuff. What, what is key is the environment that you create, the experiences that you create for kids. That brings kids in. It doesn't matter. Now they might like when it comes to learning, they're going to learn all different kinds of speeds. They're going to learn all different kinds of stuff because everybody's different. Right. But here's the thing. We got to understand that kids are not built on an assembly line. They are not all the same. So how are we going to reach as many as we possibly can? Well, let's create experiences where they get locked in. And when it came to the whole Paul Felder thing, man, Paul Felder was a UFC fighter that I watched on TV. He's a sports analyst. Millions of people watch him. Tons of people follow him on social media. And you know what? I said, you know what? Let's take it to the next level. Let's just reach out to this guy. Why not, man? Why not? The worst I'm going to get to know. And I was talking, I was having that conversation with my classroom, literally saying, why not? Let's, why not this in your future? Why not this? And <clears throat> all of a sudden we started talking at the end of class real quick before they left it. We started talking about like my background in mixed martial arts. And what a lot of people don't know is as a teacher, one of my passions was mixed martial arts. I ended up having to fight mixed martial arts myself. All right. And so that passion that those conversations about attacking the dreams that you have well, my kids were like, what if, what if we reached out to this guy? And I was like, you know what? Why not? So we reached out to him on social media and said, hey, we'd love to have you come speak at our school. And I've done that a lot of times. Matter of fact, I had, a, I had a, a, our school partnered with a, a million-dollar company, Young and Reckless. They sell that, that clothing line at, at malls, and it's a MTV reality TV star drama. It's Rob Deerdeck's cousin, host of Ridiculousness. And we partnered with him, too. And, I, and I, whether it was social media or emails, why not? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you my story. When it was with Paul Felder, with, with drama, it was I'm a middle school teacher. There's a passion for kids. I want to make a difference. Uh, you know, this is, what, this is what my game plan is. And Paul Felder said, why not? Let's do it. And when he came, and when he came, two things happened. One, he thought, man, I'm, he lit, like there's a video in, in the documentary Relentless. There's a vi in the video where you see him walking out, and he walks into our gym. 
we created an experience within an experience. Here we had a pro, we had a pro athlete showing up to our school and he thought he, he literally said, I thought I was going to walk into a cafeteria with a hundred kids. And he turns to his agent, which I'm behind in the video, you see him turn and smile and he says something. What he said was, I cannot believe this. And he walked out into an experience himself. We created an arena, a sports arena, that was like an event. We had blacked out lights, we had fog lights, we had strobe lights, we had a wrestling mat, we had kids surrounding it, it looked like a stadium. We had a hype video that I created off clips on YouTube, literally using iMovie, I screen recorded and cut and cut them, were highlights from his career. Blasting music, we had an announcer like Bruce Buffer introducing Paul Felder and the kids were going nuts. And all of a sudden he comes out and he's punching pads and kicking pads. And you think it's all about fighting. Matter of fact, before it even started, I had teachers in my school that were friends that were even like, wait, we're bringing in a fighter to talk about fighting? And, and I said, no, just wait. Because in my mind, what I saw was this, we're bringing in a fighter to reach kids who could only be reached by a fighter. That's a quote I put in the book. We weren't bringing in a fighter to talk about fighting. We brought in a fighter to hit pads, kicking pads, doing cool moves, locking kids in that normally be in the backseat. Matter of fact, we had a bunch of kids who, nor who literally said, normally I would not have paid attention, but can I meet this guy? And I said, let's go. And there's a picture of me Paul Felder, another teacher, and these boys in the, in, the, in the other gym afterwards, they were so locked in because he, after he was hitting pads and this cool experience with the lights and this crazy stuff, we shut it down, handed him the mic, and I interviewed him, and he started telling a story about his, his, his academic future, grit, determination, attacking your dreams, going after the things you want in this life, going after every test like he does a fight camp. Like, he doesn't just show up on fight day and fight. He trains for weeks and weeks and weeks. That's all he thinks about. When you're going into a test, that's got to be all you think about. And all of a sudden, kids were like, yeah. So looking at things a little bit differently, bringing people in that, you know, we, whether it's knit, knitting class or whether it's a UFC fighter, it doesn't matter. What do your kids need? And then never hesitate to go after it. And in my opinion, I sent – Tons of emails to drama, and I, and I contacted Paul, and you know what? No doesn't mean no to me. No means send another email. That means bother him a couple more times until they finally say, you know what, I'm going to help this dude so he leaves me alone. And bringing that stuff in because that's what your kids need. That's what your school needs. And it's as simple as just reaching out, just reaching out a lot of times. So that's totally next level. <laughs> I think uh, everybody on the call can – can feel your energy, but also just everything from the black lights to the punch and pads and a really cool story to reach kids who might not otherwise be reached. But yes, totally next level. Certainly uh, we have believers here who are listening to you now. That inspiration is contagious. Where do you get it? So I'm talking resource, people, leadership. Where do you go to lean on when you're feeling like, you know what, I need some inspiration myself. Now I see you on Twitter all over the place, but you know, where do you, what, share a resource with the folks who are listening. Yeah, that's a, you know, that's a great, that's a great, uh, I'll be honest with you, man. doesn't matter if you're a superintendent, principal, or a teacher, if you're really being honest, it doesn't matter how passionate and energetic you are about the job you have and how much you love kids and your community, you're going to go through ebbs and flows where you're like, I love what I do and you're bringing it. And then all of a sudden it just one day just doesn't work. And you're like, man, am I really cut out for this job? Like it happens to me even like multiple times a year. And in those times, like I'll be one way is obviously through Twitter, like going on to Twitter and finding passionate people that love their job and just stealing ideas from them and, and, and grabbing motivation, inspiration from them. But part of it too, for me is 
um, looking at motivational people that might not be in education. Like one of the things that I like to do is I like to go after and find people that are maybe in the limelight that come from a multitude of backgrounds because one of the things I love to do is have conversations with my students about different things that are happening, man. Some of our kids might be going through stuff that, you know, I can relate to. Like I, I had several kids who I had, I had several kids whose families were dealing with a cancer issue and my mom almost died from cancer. So I share that story, but kids are going through all kinds of different stuff. You know, even if they have like all the support on the, in the planet, like everybody's got stuff going on, teachers included, superintendents included. Right. So going out and finding people that come from multitude of backgrounds that have a ton of different stories and, and, and learning and, and, and reading up on their background. Like, for example, like this is going to sound funny, but the rock man, a lot of, I wrote in the book for a second, like the rock, a lot of people don't know this, but like he wanted to be a pro football player and he, he lost his position at his university and he actually write the guy who, who the guy who took his position, he writes him a letter every single year, right? Every single year on the date that it happened, he writes a thank you card because thank you, because now look at what his life is like. I think he made $150 million last year, 75 just from movies, you know? And, and, and what other people don't understand is he went to Canada, played football, got cut and had a couple of dollars and change in his pocket. And it was, it was uh, seven, seven bucks he had. And so he, all of a sudden now he's a, pro this he's a, a movie star that he owns companies he owns a movie company now called seven bucks productions and i tell that story to my students he was his he had to have his dad pick him up from the airport he had seven dollars in his pocket didn't know what he was going to do and look what he turned into you know what i mean and 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 then another guy there's a there's a former special forces uh, military guy david goggins if you're familiar with him and you should read about his background the abuse that he took as a kid like his story, if you read his book, his father pulled a gun on him as a kid, like his own dad. Like if you read his story, his book, I actually, I actually, I'm still reading it now. Can't hurt me. And, and here he is, this guy who, who went through high school. He was he struggled in school. He struggled with his weight. He struggled with a lot of things. He struggled with personal issues. And all of a sudden he overcame them, became, went into the military, had to overcome some health issues in the military, pushed through become a special forces guy. On top of that, he runs a hundred mile marathons. He's holds the world record for pull-ups in a day, like 4,000 pull-ups in a day. And, 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 and it all started with this young kid who he said should have hit the very first chapter of his book was should have been a statistic. Like stuff like that, people like that. I look, I go after the people like that that come from every background you can think of with every profession you can think of, you know, uh, JK, I even look at like, you know, J.K. Rowling, her story with Harry Potter, who she was basically homeless, and all of a sudden she wrote Harry Potter. Every kid knows that. And going after those stories, they inspire me, and they're not education people. Of course, you can get on Twitter and find education people that are passionate about teaching and all those things, but sometimes it's life passion that you need. You need a fire in your soul, and when you find people like that that are like, go, you know, push a little bit harder, do this, do that, like that all of a sudden lights you up, and you're like, man, I can, I can, I can drink another cup of coffee, and I can do this again tomorrow. Let's go change some lives. You know what I mean? And, and just light a fire in your own heart, in your own belly. And then sometimes what I do, and this is going to sound funny, is I look at my wife and I look at my kids and I go, man, I'm teaching every day like it's my kid in my classroom. I, I wrote my book, teach like it's your kid in the front row, front row, back row, side row, out in the football field, in the hallway, doesn't matter where they are, but teach like that's your kid. What would you do for your kid? And you know that teacher that your kid has some days is going to be struggling. Some days is going to be crying because they're frustrated. What would you want them to do? And if it were me, I'd want them to stand up and give it one more go. And for me, that lights a fire in my belly.
as we wrap up, Jonathan, you know, huge impact your first decade. You're just wrapping up over a little bit of a decade in education, a lot of things you've done. You know, for you to feel like you're continuing to make a great impact, you know, what are the next three to five years look like for you? You know what? That is a deep question for some, you know, that's a deep question for me. You know, I, I can't, so a little bit of background about me, quite simply put, is I'm a teacher, I'm a middle school teacher at probably the most famous school on the planet, Fredley Middle School. But I have two master's degrees, the second one in educational leadership. And so often I hear, when are you going to leave the classroom? When are you going to leave the classroom and be a principal? Matter of fact, I went and spoke in, in Indiana and the superintendent, when I was done, offered me a job, like literally that day. And I was like, whoa, all right then. But I said, I can't, I can't leave the classroom right yet. Because for me, I think back to my own background, you know, it's nice to be where I am now, but I think of that kid that was in class that people overlooked because I was a kid that, in my book, I, I, I bring this out point blank, I struggled with tests and quizzes. I got a 4.0 in my master's program, by the way, but I struggled with tests and quizzes. And I, was a, I, I struggled in school, man. I really did. And it wasn't for lack of trying. It wasn't for lack of being a good kid, man. I didn't get trouble. I did all my work, but my, my teachers just saw me as that kid who was going to fail a test or whatever. And so oftentimes, and my father was a 34-year vet of teaching, and so was my mom. And they both instilled in me the idea that there's always a kid that needs a positive role model. That doesn't mean that they don't come from a wonderful background with great parents. Maybe they don't. Maybe they do. But I'm, I've got, I'm a parent myself, and i got two little girls, and sometimes they hear it from someone else better than they hear it from me. And teachers are teachers are is, is oftentimes that we forget what our impact can be. Our impact can be like an absolute tidal wave of change in the lives of kids because, you know, maybe their parents has been, maybe their parent has been saying something to try and give them some self-confidence or to study or to try something new or this or that. Maybe they've been saying it a million times but the kids just not hearing it. They just need someone else to tell them. And so naturally for me, I, I love teaching still. I love laughing and joking with kids. I love getting them riled up with a great lesson. I love building relationships with kids. And for me, the next three to five years is gonna be continuing, in my opinion, to one, write another book that's, that, that, get, that gives uh, another aspect of what I believe in education, another toolbox, so to speak. I'm gonna to continue to speak until my voice doesn't work anymore. I'm gonna to go to schools and speak and share my message to the best of my ability because I think teachers need their fire relit. I think they need their cup filled up. And I think just like teachers do, I think students do too, because I was that kid. You know, I often say that I had, I have a tweet pinned to the top of my Twitter account. You know, some people love it, some people hate it. But at one point I say, you know, you, you don't know the background of your kids. Some of the kids come from the best backgrounds and the best parents and, and some, and some come from, from, they have very little support and some have never been told they were loved. Someone, some have never been told that they, that their parents proud of them. And actually, when I, when I said that, I was talking about my own dad, my father. You know, I love my grandpa to death and my, my grandma, uh, who's no longer alive. But my father, who's a phenomenal dad and told me a million times how proud of me he was and how much he loved me, because he never heard it as a kid himself. And so I often think, like, man, there's some kids in there just like my dad. There's some kids in there just like me. There's some kids in there just like, you know, some other kids that I've, that I've had that I think just – they need something. And, and, and I might not be that person, but doggone it, man, I'm going to try the best of my ability to be that person for my kids as best I can. So. Well, Jonathan, this has been exciting, inspiring, fun. Your passion is certainly 
shown through today. Thank you so much for joining us. Is there anything else that you would like to add? And where can our listeners best find your work? Absolutely. The last thing I'm going to say is this, man. Everybody listen. Every educator out there, superintendent, principal, teacher, doesn't matter. Just know your impact. Bring that passion, that energy every single day. Know your impact, man. There's teachers that need to have fires lit by their principals. There's there's kids and families that need people to, to reach out. They need people to, to take it to the next level for them and their kids. Just think about what would you want for your kids, and then that's what you bring every single day. And for me, you can reach me at, uh, at Mr. Alshimer on Twitter, at Mr. Alshimer on Instagram. Reach out, connect. I love to connect with people, and I appreciate the opportunity to be on today. I really do. Thank you so much. Fantastic. You heard it here, folks. Another great podcast on Focus Ed, Jonathan Alzheimer. Everyone, how about a virtual round of applause for Jonathan? Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. Don't forget to follow the schoolhouse302.com for podcasts, blog posts, books to read, and more. This was another great episode. We're embarking on the 2021 school year, so stay tuned for the lineup. Jonathan, thank you so much for being with us today. And now a word from our sponsors. Hey, Joe, you know what leaders need these days? What's that, TJ? Sleep. A good night's rest. Self-care. We've heard it over and over and over again from our guests on the podcast that you can't pour from an empty cup. Leaders need sleep. One of the number one ways you can replenish yourself and lead better is a good night's sleep. I hear you, but you know what? I'm so tired. I don't even like thinking about, you know, getting a good night's sleep. But, you know, do tell, how do we go about getting better sleep? Well, I think that's part of your problem is you need a better bed. It always starts with the bed. That's why we recommend GhostBed, our sponsor, with 30,000 plus five-star reviews. Their patented sleep and cooling technology gets you to sleep faster and longer than any other bed. That's right. And their handcrafted mattresses come with a hundred and one night at home sleep trial and a two times the industry standard warranty. They're absolutely certain that their beds will work for you. And with free shipping within 24 hours of your purchase, it's fantastic uh, support from the company. And guess what? Just for being a listener at the Schoolhouse 302, you get 30% off with the use of our code SH302 at checkout. You go to ghostbed.com. You get some sleep so that you can lead better and grow faster. You use SH302 at checkout. Absolutely. And last thing, even if you don't need a bed, you're thinking, wow, I would love to try out ghost bed, but I just bought a bed. Refer someone else for a bed at ghostbed.com. You'll get a hundred bucks for helping someone else get a good night's rest. Wow. That's 30% off with SH302 code at ghostbed.com. A hundred bucks for your referral if you get somebody else a good night's sleep. Better sleep for you, better leadership. Ghostbed.com, you can't beat it. Ghostbed.com.
Jonathan, uh, TJ actually texted me while you were just talking. David Goggins is one of my, uh, <clears throat> I, I'd, I'd say, new heroes. I read that book last spring. My son, who's a senior, one of my sons who's a, a senior now, he's reading it. Um, totally inspirational story. I'll, I'll tell you this also, that he opened my eyes also to some of the racism that existed in his life growing up in Newcastle County, Delaware here, you know, going into the city, being a part of DSEG, you know, <clears throat> reading his stories and what he endured kind of took me out of my own element a little bit here in Delaware and, and made me realize some of what others experience. Um, but that is a must read. We'd love to have him. I've, I've said, we'd love to have David Goggins on, not that he would necessarily come on. However, we'd have to coach him not to say the <laughs> F word. You'd have uh, to have a bleep button real quick. <laughs> yeah. He, uh, he, he, he drops the F bomb occasionally, but uh, he's, he's inspirational. No doubt.